Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is speaking with technology when your voice doesn't work. Uh, Kind of medical conditions that make the voice not work include in older people, stroke and Parkinson's disease, And in children, conditions like autism and cerebral palsy. And just a quick word on cerebral palsy, because I did an episode on that, and it left me very much moved by this particular condition. Um, Cerebral palsy occurs in children in the first years of life, and it persists for the rest of their lives. It can prevent them from speaking well or at all, even though they have normal hearing and normal intelligence. In many instances, its cause remains a mystery. Its complications include social stigmatization, and there is no cure. The aim of treatment of cerebral palsy and so many other serious medical conditions of the voice is to help the person to be as independent as possible. So to talk about help with voices and more, I have two guests, Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. Now, I'm going to give you a quick summary of their impressive bios, and then I'll introduce them to you. Um, Gail, first of all, along with her two sons, Kawati and Skywati, is a founder of Kilometers for Communication. Kilometers for Communication is a national awareness and friend-raising campaign about empowering the voices of people who, because of disabilities, must communicate in ways other than with typical speech. Now, right now, Gail's on duty with the campaign, for which she is the driver, and she's speaking to us by mobile phone while on the road, but not actually driving. Inspired by his brother, Carr, who usually travels in a wheelchair and speaks with blinks and a communication device, Sky launched the coast-to-coast cycling journey on Vancouver Island. 
Gale drives the support vehicle, a Sky Cycle, sometimes accompanied by car in a bike trailer. About Gale, she's been a psychotherapist in private practice for more than 20 years, and prior to to that, she was an editor and publisher. She's passionate about voice, inclusion, and accessibility for all people with disabilities. Tracy, Tracy is president of the Canadian chapter of the International Society of Augmentative and Alternative Communication, which aims to make people aware of the potential that this communication has to change the lives of individuals, individuals around the world who are unable to speak. She's a member of the Organizational Committee for Breaking the ICE Conference, uh, a national consumer-focused conference for people who use the augmentative communication. She's a speech-language pathologist who's practiced clinically in this type of communication since 1991. She's a clinician at the Thames Valley Children's Center in London, Ontario. She's developed an extensive educational program to train clinicians in Ontario working in this area of communication. So, welcome to the show, Gail and Tracy. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm going to start off with Tracy, first of all. Please tell us more about your life and work and whether you or someone in your family has experience with family caregiving. Sure, I'd love to. Um, As you said, I'm a speech pathologist that's been doing this work for 20 years now. Hard to believe. Um, I'm certainly passionate about this area. I've been doing it for so long, and even coming out of university, it was something that I just knew really clicked with something I was really interested in and with a population of people that were really... um, motivating to work with because you could see such potential with them and such uh, the ability to help them and uh, institute change in their lives. So that's really what's helped me be passionate about this for so many years. I'm currently really looking at um, that education piece in AAC, and you alluded to that in my bio as well, just looking at different ways to train people, professionals, um, in how to implement different AAC strategies and to make that part of their practice. So that's something that I've been currently more interested in, as well as um, dabbling in some research projects in different areas of the field that um, have been really interesting and informative, so helping to keep my learning curve up as well. Great. Um, yeah. Gail, I'm going to just pass over to you now, because as always on these shows, I'm afraid time presses. But Gail, please tell us more about your life and the early life of your son, Car. Okay. Car uh, was born 26 years ago, and uh, when he was about four months old, we started to realize that uh, his, he wasn't reaching the developmental milestones of a, a baby his age, an infant his age. And we quickly realized that Care had uh, seizures. He had a seizure disorder that uh, was quite profound. When he was a young baby, he was having over 100, I'll just call them for, for efficiency's sake, grand mal seizures, variety of very intense major seizures, as well as um, hundreds of, of petit mal seizures, small seizures that are hardly, uh, they're hard to recognize. And um, K- 
care, we never found a solution. We never found a cure for the seizures or something that would even really bring his seizures down um, when he was a baby. And after time, he was diagnosed as having cerebral palsy as well. And um, when care was very young, we were very focused on doing physiotherapy. We were very focused on he also has cortical visual impairment, which is a, a variable kind of visual impairment that is a neurological condition. And we were focused on all of these, um, his disabilities, and really wanting to help him communicate, wanting to know what he understood, having no understanding, not knowing about augmentative and alternative communication. And so it was unfortunate that no one had mentioned the possibilities of ways to help care communicate in alternative ways when he was an infant and young child. Gail, I'm going to so, stop, you that, stop you there only because we're going, I'm going to ask you that question in full in a moment because it's profoundly important. I just want to okay. switch now to, to Tracy. Please tell us about the International Society and the Canadian chapter and its work. Sure. Um, ISAAC was founded in 1983, and it was actually founded in Toronto. Um, but it was a group of therapists and teachers, people who use augmentative communications, um, parents, engineers, all different people from around the world actually founded it over 25 years ago. Um, right now, there are chapters, like our Canadian chapter, in 15 countries around the world, um, and members in at least 60 other countries that don't constitute a full chapter. Um, in Canada, we have about 150 members. For such a large country, it'd be nice to have more. But um, the vision of Isaac is that AAC will be recognized and valued throughout the world, um, and we aim that to have people um, have people aware that AAC can help change other people's lives. So just get that awareness out. Right. Uh, now we're obviously going to hope that this episode is going to help you get this message out, and we're going to talk about it some more. But I want to go back to Gail now. And you were just saying that it was unfortunate that, and if I've got you right, nobody had spotted the need for some help with the communications. So my question to you is, when did you first learn about the augmentative communication, and what did you have to do to arrange it for CAR? Well, I actually probably didn't uh, come aware of, of augmentative communication until Kara was probably like, close to four years old. And it was through reading books that I became aware of it. It wasn't through any kind of suggestion from any medical professionals or uh, physiotherapists or any other kind of therapist. And in terms of once I did arrange for it or once I did find out about uh, augmentative and alternative communication, I then was able to do the research about who locally provided those services, but I was quickly informed that uh, that care needed to be put on a waiting list, and that waiting list was well over a year long. So putting him on the waiting list involved my research and involved my contacting the appropriate treatment center, but the wait was very difficult. Yeah. Because we believe that, you know, that care needed to communicate to the best of his ability as soon as possible, and not communicating was becoming a habit. 
how long ago was this? The, this particular. I know. I know you said he was twenty six, but how long ago? How many years ago are we talking about, Gail? Well, I guess by the time that I found out about uh, augmentative and alternative communication and the treatment center, it was probably about 21, 22 years ago. Yeah. Now, later on, we're going to ask the question about how things are now and what um, improvements we're going to look for. But it is time for us to take the break. We do have to pay the rent. So this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are... Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Papasilli, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. Our topic is speaking with technology when your voice doesn't work. So let's talk about these communications, augmentative and alternative communications, and the efforts to make it more widely accessible. Tracy first, what exactly is this alternative, augmentative communication, and what are the main ways it helps with speaking? 
Um, you certainly, it's, it's a very complicated term that we can simplify by saying we often call it AAC, um, just to shorten it down. But really it means any way that people um, can use to communicate other than speech. So that can include so many different varieties of methods for so many different people. It can include uh, manual signing, so that's sign language for some. It can include communication displays, so just paper displays with symbols on them, um, various symbols that represent words. There's lots of different symbol systems that, very, that people can learn how to use as they're um, becoming literate. And then down the road, as people become literate, just using text on low-tech displays. Um, so those are some of the lower cost, lower tech ways, but then the, you get into the technology solutions. And again, there's so many different types. There's lots of different manufacturers that make different types of technology, and the technology is even coming more into the mainstream with some of the Apple products that are coming out. Um, but really the message is that anyone can use AAC, even if they have so, so limited movements. You only need one point of access that's necessary to be able to access some kind of technology, whether that be your eyes. Um, the eye gaze technology, just looking at the place on the screen that you'd like to click, is coming along quite a ways. Um, whether you were using one finger or um, touching a screen with your hand, you might just use your chin to activate a switch. Um, I know Care uses a switch with his hand and just rocks his hand to hit a switch um, when he's activating his device. Um, there's lots of different ways. Technology is expensive, however, and um, it's sometimes slower than using some of the low-tech ways. So people often use a combination of something that's lower tech with something that's higher tech, and also because technology will break down. So it's important right. to have all kinds of different ways to communicate. Got it. So, mm -hmm. Now, thanks. Gail, I want to come back to you. Please tell us about the challenges CARE has experienced throughout his life. Okay, and I think I'll relate to what Tracy was just talking about, and I'll focus here on CARE's communication since that's what this program is about. CARE does have what's called spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy, which basically means that he has very limited movement in his arms and in his legs. And Tracy was talking about finding a way to access the communication. So CARE does communicate in a variety of ways, and it's, it, one of the big challenges has been finding out the best ways for CARE to communicate. So because CARE is visually impaired, he can't look at a communication device, and then because he has movement um, issues, he can't just easily point to a symbol on either the low-tech kind of displays that Tracy was just talking about or on a high-tech communication device, speech-generating device. So CARE is using a system. It's, it's a computer which, with a computer-generated voice, and he does something called auditory scanning, which means that all of his menus and his words, his choices, have to be given to him through a speaker that's mounted on his wheelchair. And the way he turns on his menus is by, as Tracy said, just touching a switch that's on a tray on his wheelchair. Now, one of the challenges with this system is it's very slow, and it's also quite difficult to use if there's a group of people around it's difficult for CARE to hear what are called his auditory cues. So in other words, those signals of 
where he is on his menu or what the words are or phrases are that he wants to say. So care also communicates with links. And the way that works is that the people that are with him, uh, he has a communication assistant who asks him questions that are yes, no questions. In other words, questions that can be answered with either a yes or a no or multiple choice questions. And if someone knows CARE very well, they're able to come up with a variety of questions quite quickly to try to understand what CARE is, is trying to communicate. Now, it's not a perfect system. CARE will blink when the answer is yes. And he also has these seizures that I mentioned earlier, sometimes two or three times a minute. And that means that CARE's continuity is interrupted, so he can be scanning whether on his communication device he can miss the cues, he can miss the menu items or the words or phrases he wants to say, and then he has to go through them again, and if he's having another seizure there, he misses them again. So having a person who's with him, who knows him, understands when he's having his seizures, that person can then wait when he has a seizure, go back to asking him his questions, give him his choices, and also knows how to read what CARE is saying with his blinks. And CARE uses his voice with sounds, and the communication assistant or communication partners can also interpret what he's trying to say there. But it's very challenging. Absolutely. Gail, we'll come back to these things, but I want now to just ask Tracy, those challenges that Gail's been talking about, please outline for us the ways in which the society and the Canadian chapter are going to help? Yeah, certainly augmentative communication, so AAC, helps to um, give people more independence in communicating and being able to pull their messages together. It empowers them in the community and to be able to um, go out and share their own messages and their own communication. CARE was able to introduce um, his mom, Gail, and his brother, Sky, at a conference. Um, so that was just so empowering to see him be able to come up in front, of, and he's done lots of other public speaking, as I know, and introduce and be empowered by that. So it lets um, people participate in the community just as the rest of us do. And it also is really, AAC is really important for forming relationships with others, as you can imagine, with it being in, involving communication. As far as what Isaac can do to help, um, Isaac is an advocacy group. It's an organized, uh, organization of people that are interested in AAC. Um, we don't necessarily provide services. Rather, we try to help advocate where necessary for more services or more funding. Um, we do. Isaac does a great deal to help educate professionals with a conference that's held um, every year um, internationally and a professional journal that's provided um, four times a year. So those are some of the education pieces. But also, Isaac is a way to bring people who use AAC together to learn from each other and to teach professionals because we can learn so much more from folks that are walking in those shoes than we can from each other as professionals. We can learn so much more from families and caregivers and the people themselves than we are able to teach ourselves. So they're instrumental in helping us learn about how to help them. I think that's one of the most important messages. So Isaac is certainly a network of people that is passionate about ensuring that everyone has a voice and that everyone's voice is heard. Just one quick question. Uh, Isaac is the name of the International Society for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. That's, that's right. right, isn't it? That's right. 
Yeah, we're all big users of acronyms, and I just wanted to make sure that we didn't let that one slide by. Okay, yep. Now, Gail, um, I'd like you to tell us more about why and how you, Care, and his brother, Sky, initiated Kilometers for Communication. Why did you Okay. Okay, thank you. I would like to do that. Basically, um, we started, we call it Kilometers for Communication, and it was actually Care's younger brother, who was 17 at the time, who decided that he wanted to cycle across the country and raise awareness and funds for people who, like CARE, speak in alternative ways. And the reason he was inspired by CARE to do this is because at the time we were in the middle of a human rights case because we felt that CARE was not getting the education he needed. And we had been through a number of other issues and struggles and one of Sky's primary considerations in terms of deciding to cycle across the country to raise awareness and fundraise was the attitudes that Sky has experienced towards care that bothered him and have bothered him his whole life. And basically what Sky, Care, and I have experienced is that people often assume that if someone doesn't speak, that they don't have the understanding, they don't have the intelligence, they don't have the ability to understand and the ability to communicate in alternative ways. And I think a primary message for us is that we want people to assume ability, to assume that people can understand and do have the ability to communicate if they're given the services, supports, and technology that they need in other words, AAC, Augmentative and Alternative Communication. And that's why we're going across the country and participating in all kinds of events is to try to encourage people to realize that if their loved ones have a stroke, have an accident which causes a brain injury, or if they, like care, are born with a disability that prevents them from speaking, that there are ways for most people who are unable to speak with their voices to communicate. Gail, just a quick one, because time is going to run out, but how are you doing on your travel across Canada? What kind of response are you getting? We're getting an incredible response. Um, there are all kinds of events people who speak in alternative ways um, in certain parts of the country are getting together and meeting each other who have never done that before. People are inspired and um, people are realizing that, in fact, AAC is a possibility for their loved ones. We're hearing about all kinds of people who have never even thought of trying to get the services support and technology for their, their loved ones. That's terrific. And, um, yeah. I'm sorry to be rude, but the time dominates. We're going to have to take I a understand. break. I understand. But you're going to get your chance to talk about this because it's very exciting and very moving what you're doing. So it is time for us to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We're coming back. (laughs) 
get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. Are there any challenges to your success? You already have what it takes to turn these challenges into results in any area. Find out more when you tune in to The Power of Realism, Why Integrity Matters, with host Jeffrey Canavan. We all deal with adversity and challenges in life and business. We'll talk with those individuals who have faced these challenges and turned them into success stories. By making just a few shifts in your thinking, you too can be one of these success stories. The Power of Realism airs live on Thursdays at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. Our topic is speaking with technology when your voice doesn't work. So now let's talk about experience with the communication, the augmentative and alternative communication, and the challenges that it helps meet. Now, I would like, Gail, talk about you to tell us, you to tell us more about Cal's experience with the communication and the ways that it's actually helped him. And it's that last part, the way in which it's helping him, that I think I'd like to stress. Okay. Well, I'd like to go back to when I first started realizing that Kara could understand, because that was a big question for me as his mother when he was a, a young child. And what I learned from reading a book uh, about someone who spoke with AAC was how important it was to establish a yes and a no. And um, so... It wasn't through actually a treatment center that I got the idea to, to suggest care to, to blink for yes. It was actually through reading that I got this idea. And there was one day when I actually said to someone, I think care understands almost everything I say. And there was care blinking, blinking, blinking <laughs> madly, right? Telling me, yes, you finally understood. And of course, AAC, communication, is so important to who we are, to communicate all kinds of important information to, as, as Tracy was talking about, it's the core of our relationships, it's the core of our being able to say something is wrong, 
to be able to correct what's wrong. It's a, it's it's about our humanity, and I think that that what's happened is that we, with the help of of speech language pathologists who are trained in AAC. We've been able to work with care to try to find ways for him to express more and more of what he needs to express, and we've been able to understand him more, and he's been able to, as as Tracy was talking about earlier, become more and more empowered to have a voice, to be able to give presentations at conferences, to be able to build up his confidence, and to be able to tell us about himself, who he is, and what he thinks and believes in, and to tell us jokes, which was one of the first things he wanted to do when he got a communication. Fabulous, device. fabulous. Now, I'm going to switch to Tracy, um, because I want to ask you the question about how Isaac, the Canadian chapter, is helping, promoting the idea of help for family caregivers like Gail, because what Gail's been telling us is a lot about what she did as the mom as a family caregiver. So what, <laughs> to be tough with you, Tracy, yeah. in a nice way, what are you doing as an organization to help people like Gail? I, that is a tough question because I think that our organization needs people like Gail as powerful advocates to help get the message out of what is cap- what's possible for people. Um, nobody could advocate as, as strongly and as loudly as a parent that is living with these situations all the time, and a brother, for that matter, in Sky. Um, I find Gail and Sky to be two of the most uh, strong and powerful advocates that I think I've ever met as far as bringing the message out loudly and, and across the nation so I can't express enough my gratitude for what they're doing. Um, some of the ways, uh, more concretely than to say we need their help, some of the ways that um, Isaac Canada has been trying to help folks um, in this situation is being a sponsor of the Breaking the Ice Conference, which you um, talked about in my bio as well. And ICE stands for Independence, Community, and Empowerment. Um, so it's a conference that is, is put on in Canada every two years, and it's for people who use AAC and their families. Um, the people that speak at the conference all, for the most part, use AAC or are family members. And at one point during the conference, there's what we call a town hall meeting in which only people that use AAC can even speak. We speakers can be in the room and, and flourish and learn from them and just you know, absorb the culture of what's going on. And it's fabulous, but it's a time for folks that speak in different ways to have their say. And it's just an incredible experience for me professionally. It's probably one of the most moving and important things that I'm involved in. But I'm hoping, and then probably Gail could uh, answer this question um, better if, if it's a helpful use for families. We're hoping that it's a, it's a useful place to be and place to connect and network with other families. Um, and I think that that might be one of the ways that Isaac Canada can help. Great. So and if I could also... Gail for that. Sorry. Go on, Gail. Okay. I, I'd also like to mention that it's actually the Isaac Canada, the International Society for Augmentative and Alternative Communication Canada, that is our, our partner, our charitable partner for Kilometers for Communication. And it's, it's Isaac Canada's incredible organization and networking that has created, I think, the, the catalyst for all kinds of events that have been happening across the country to raise awareness and to fundraise for augmentative and alternative communication. Tremendous. Now, Gail, I'm still, the microphone, so to speak, is still with you. 
<coughs> excuse me, what about the role of families and family caregivers like you and yours when there's a family member with a serious speaking challenge? What is the role of the family and the family caregiver? Well, I think that because we're talking about communication and if someone is unable to speak with typical speech or, or with, with speech that's very difficult to understand, we families and family caregivers must be proactive. We must advocate for the services and support that our family members need. Um, we must advocate also for people to understand because most people don't understand that not speaking doesn't equate with not understanding and not being able to communicate. So we have to be educators as well as advocates for our family members. And we also have to, I think, you know, as part of being advocates, we need to really try to help the government to understand, the funders to understand, because service of supports and technology are not readily available the way that they need to be. There are waiting lists often um, that are years long throughout Canada. So we need to join with each other and in order to really change policy and to make a difference so that, that our loved ones can get what they need for, to communicate um, much more quickly than what they're able to do in most places right now. Great. We're going to come back to that in a moment, um, how to activate uh, the movement, so to speak. But, Tracy, I want to ask you a different question. Um, we've been talking about challenges. What are the challenges that Isaac faces in establishing its services, the things that it sees as necessary, the things that it wants to do? What are your challenges, in other words? Sure. Um, we need more members across the country, I think, and we're slowly um, maintaining at least a stable amount of members over the last probably five or six years, which is good. We'd like to increase that. We're all volunteers, so we all have limited time, but we're passionate about what we do, so um, any of the board members of Isaac Canada can only do as much as uh, we can do. We need more, more volunteers and more time. Um, what is desperately needed is more awareness, and that's a lot of what we're talking about today, but public awareness about what AAC is and who it can help. And um, when, when folks that are in the public uh, uh, stars, I guess you could say, or more popular people are, are using AAC, like Stephen Hawking, who has ALS, that uses a communication device, or, for example, Roger Ebert, who had... Um, I think cancer in his jaw and is now what they've done with his voice is used a technology called voice banking so that his communication device, although he no longer can speak, his computer actually has stored up all, the, all of his voice files and his computer speaks with what sounds very much like his voice. So some of these um, more popular people that are making use of augmentative communication will help raise the awareness and I think that's a good thing that the that the word is getting out that everyone can communicate, and I think that's really important for families and professionals to work together to find the fastest and easiest way for folks to communicate in all their environments with all their communication partners. Those methods might be different in various environments or with various communication partners, but I think that's the, you know, the main message to get out, and uh, slowly, slowly it's getting out. <laughs> but, right, right. How long have you been at it now? 
with, uh, with Isaac? I've been a member of Isaac since I began practicing in 91. I've been the president um, since 2009. Right. So, yeah. And you've told us what your numbers are at the moment. What do you think the number should be? That is, how many people are there in Canada who should be members of Isaac, would you say? Oh, my goodness, that's a really tough question. Um, I think anyone with an interest in AAC, anyone with a family member that might be using AAC, um, anyone that is practicing in speech-language pathology would be a good benefit for them to have that kind of connection and network to um, support them around some of the issues they might be facing with their clients. Um, it's really a, that's a tough question. I, I don't know what the, the goal would be. Perfectly fair. Um, I'd like to just suggest that you might also want to get reach out to the technology community because they're always looking for uh, applications for computers. It seems to me that the applications you both have been talking about are exciting in many, many ways. They're also profoundly valuable. And getting some of the, uh, what they used to call the nerds going, might also be useful. Now, I have to be careful what I say at that point, but I do think, I do think that's, that's the thing you should do. Now, we do have to go into the break because uh, that is our little challenge. So it is time for the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, stay tuned. We're definitely coming back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You've got your family and you need to keep talking and you need to keep understanding and look into yourself, who you are, what kind of person you want to be. What would be the one most simple advice you would give to a healing agoraphobic? I don't know if it's a panic attack or whatever it is. It's happening very frequently. I don't have to be in any place where there's no air. It can happen even on the road. People get over things. You can't look back. You've got to look forward and learn something from your past. Join Dr. Raymond Hamden in the psychologist chair every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Is your computer making your life easier or more of a headache? Are you using all of the tools to make your life more productive and less of a stress? You need to listen to the Microsoft Princess Insider with Melanie Goss, dubbed the Microsoft Princess. Melanie has been a certified expert in all things Microsoft since 1998, and her expertise will have you taking back control of your life and letting your computer handle the efficiency of day-to-day projects. The Microsoft Princess Insider airs live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Gail Fisher-Taylor and Tracy Shepard. Our topic is speaking with technology when your voice doesn't work. Let's talk about how well voice challenges are generally understood and what needs to be done to increase the understanding. Now, Gail, first, health professionals generally, you know, people like I used to be, doctors, nurses, people like that, how well understood do they, how well do they understand the challenges of speech problems and the role of um, AAC? Um, what more needs to be done to increase their understanding? Gail? I think this is a very important question. And health professionals, like everyone else, need to be educated about people who have disabilities that prevent them from speaking with typical speech. And our experience has been that most health professionals have not had experience with people who speak in alternative ways. And that means that we as family caregivers care as someone who speaks with AAC, we need to be educators. And I think also that it's very important for organizations like ISAC Canada to do that, that educational piece, as well as there are other organizations as well. There's an organization um, called Augmentative Communication Community Partnerships Canada, long, long name, um, but it's just um, put out a proposed bill of communication rights. That may not be the exact name. But I think that the general public and, of course, healthcare professionals being an important part of that general part, uh, public need to understand that people who communicate in alternative ways have the same rights to communicate as everyone else and that all of us have a, a role to play as enablers of communication, and we need to learn how to do that. And it's particularly important for healthcare professionals and educators, teachers, administrators to know how to do that. Right. Tracy, it's the same question, but it's the public. How, 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 much, how good is their understanding of, of these challenges of speech problems? And what more do you want to see done and do you want to do to increase the public's understanding? Yeah, certainly kilometers is a catalyst. It's starting to get people aware. People are following what's going on with kilometers, and that's a good start. Um, more advocacy to government is, is necessary, I think, for equipment and for services. But um, as far as the general public, I think people just feel anxious about approaching someone that they're not really sure how to talk to or how they're going to communicate with. Um, so uh, Gail said earlier, just the simplest thing for the public to know is just don't be afraid. Walk up and say, hey, how do you say yes and how do you say no? And be sh like, if you're sure how, how that person is able to answer a yes question and a no question, you can have a conversation. Yes and no questions can get you so far. So something as simple as that can start a conversation, even if you don't know how to use their complicated system or their complicated display. Um, that's a way to have a conversation with someone. Um, 
some public awareness things have been happening um, through the 10th LA Children's Center. We have this program that we call Libraries for All, and this is a program that started in Australia, and we've been sharing. That's how Isaac works, is just when something starts in one country that's worthwhile, we share things around so we're not reinventing the wheel. But in London, um, every... London Public Library has communication displays in it so that if someone goes in to a library and needs to communicate in a different way, they have communication displays available. Not only that, but Thames Valley Children's Centre has trained all the staff in the London Public Libraries on how to communicate with somebody that might communicate in a little bit of a different way. So with some of these simple strategies I'm talking about, just know how, to, how they say yes and no and a myriad of other strategies that we've taught them. So not only do they have the tools, but they have the training um, behind them to feel comfortable and confident in talking to someone that communicates a little bit differently. So, Great. Gail, over to you. Uh, what's the message about AAC, augmentative and alternative communication, that you would like to pass to family caregivers? I think the message that I gave earlier is to presumability. Often people who've had a stroke or a car accident or children who are born with cerebral palsy or autism the, the presumption is that they can't communicate, and I think that this is my most important message is the presumption needs to be that they can communicate, and it's a matter of finding out how they can best communicate and to believe in them and to believe in their communication. As Tracy said, everyone communicates, and it's a matter of learning to interpret and understand and find the best ways, and that's what professionals like Tracy can help us do. So that goes to Tracy. What's the message about the work of Isaac and the Canadian chapter that you would like to pass to family caregivers? I would really like to say to family caregivers, join us because we need your voice. Like I think I've tried to stress how important it is to hear from the family's perspective what is needed and how we can help. We can presume a lot of things that might not be true unless we involve the families right from the outset. Um, AAC can certainly help change the lives of many people, and I think that Perhaps, as Gail said, in the early stages of um, CARES life, they didn't even know about AAC. So I want family caregivers to know that that's an option. There's so many inspiring stories, and I wish we had hours and hours to, to hear from Gail and Sky of all the stories of the people that they've met along the way. Um, but most importantly, everyone has a voice, and communication is so essential. And I'm going to just comment back to you both. First of all, that point that you've both made so strongly, which is find out how yes and no are exchanged between you, that is me, and the person who may have communication problems or speech problems. Uh, that's the first step. And it's a profound first step because so much of what we want to communicate can be communicated in that way, can't it? Uh, that is to say, it sounds as though boiling everything down to yes or no uh, isn't going to get us very far, but it seems to me it's a fundamental step. Um, have I understood that right? First of all, Gail, am I understanding you right, what I've just said? Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting because computers are based on that system. They're based on what's called a binary system. It's basically a yes or no system. So there is a lot that can come across once you establish a yes and a no. 
but it needs to also go beyond that as well, of course. Perfectly fair. Um, Tracy, how does it go beyond the yes and no? Uh, in other words, in the situation where I've established that I can get put a question and get an answer back, what is the next step beyond the yes and the no uh, point of reference? Yeah, most times um, people have some kind of book with them or on their, if they're in a wheelchair, for example, they might have a message on their, commu- on their tray that tells you how they communicate. So it may tell you how they say yes and no. It may tell you that they um, use a switch and they communicate that way. It may tell you how they use their communication display in front of you. If they're pointing, it may say, I point with my my thumb. So look at where my thumb is pointing. So there's, there's some strategies that you might be able to just read or ask about, do you have a communication display? If you can have a yes and no answer, then where is that the communication display? Can I get it out of your bag? So that can help get get a little bit further into the conversation. But I think the key about yes and no is it helps us know what they're thinking and what and and not misinterpret. Yeah. We, we assume that we that we know what they are trying to tell us. I go so far as to say, and I'm not the expert here, is that it's a way of establishing a human. The first step is contact. establishing a human contact and relationship. Yep. Now, I just want to ask you both a question that hasn't come up, and it's this. Um, Is there any tendency of, and I'm going to give it to you both, this question, for people who aren't sure how or if to communicate, is there any concern that you would have that those people who don't know what to do next may also be considering that the person they're speaking to lacks whatever mental intelligence is required for communication. In other words, they make a judgment about the mental ability of somebody who's not able to use their voice fully. Gail, first of all, am I right or wrong about that? I think that you're absolutely right that that's a major concern, that, you know, if we don't know how someone communicates, the question is, how do you know what their intelligence is or how do you know what they're thinking about or how they're understanding? Really, we need communication in order to understand how someone thinks, what they think about, what they understand, what they don't understand. And, um, and yes, often there are assumptions made that if someone doesn't speak and doesn't have any way to tell us about what is on their minds, that it's very easy to get impatient, to just assume that they don't understand, instead of really finding ways, which might be complicated and and take time and take patience, in order to find out what is going on and how do we reach, how do we reach inside and find out what's going on. And that's why we need people like Tracy who are speech-language pathologists and occupational therapists who can help determine the access for various kinds of communication. I'm afraid, Tracy, we only have time for a yes-no answer from you on this particular (laughs) question. But do you agree with Gail? Yes. Yeah, great. Now, it is unfortunately time up for us, and I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners, and please do email us with your comments and questions, particularly about the website 
four uh, kilometers for communication. It will be on the promo for this show. Um, but anything, you questions, how do I join Isaac and all that kind of thing, please email us and I'll be very glad to pass the comments on. I want to say thank you to Gail and to Tracy for all the things you've said to us and the marvelous way, the, the, the thrilling way in which you both through organizations and as individuals are working among yourselves and are working with people, with family caregivers, with people with these communication difficulties by giving them quite literally a voice. And that in politics and in everything else is really the most important thing to have. And if nature took away part or all of your voice, then we should look to technology to help put it back, which is exactly what you're both doing. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for what you said. In our next episode, we'll talk about help with diabetes for diabetics and their families. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 